Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. So welcome back, Fem Fam. Thank you guys always for listening. We have another fantastic guest for you. By the way, I just realized, um, I think I say those exact words every time. <laughs> like, we got to start mixing it up in this intro. <laughs> but Accents might have to come back out. Oh, I don't know about that. Accents, those were rough. We tried it for a while. <laughs> we had a moment. We had a moment. <laughs> but, you know, it's all true. We're all, we're very grateful for all of you guys for listening all the time. And we are always excited. Like we have the best guests. I'm so glad that we've gotten such awesome people on this show. Yes. And today we have Vita Gafari. She is an actress, uh, producer, voiceover. Like she's done a lot of things in the biz and she's been doing it for a while. So we are really excited to have her on today and to chat about how she got started, how she got to where she is and how she keeps going. So thank you, Vita, for being on today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be on this show. Thank you. Absolutely. And we were just talking listeners before we uh, started recording about supporting you know, women in the industry, like all three of us, that's something that's very important to us. Um, And so, you know, anybody that's six, any woman, I should say specifically, especially that's succeeding in the business, like it's just so inspirational. So if you want to let us know how you got started to begin with. You know, I'm from the DC area and it's a very political town and uh, not to get political, but we're in very political times. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a, it was kind of like a one pony show being politics. So I was a journalist actually and how I got my start was it actually led to voiceover, oddly enough. So I, uh, I'm i of Persian descent, uh, but I was uh, working for some TV stations where I w- it was non-religious, non-political, and I was their entertainment correspondent. And they would send me to events. And uh, one of the guys in the control room was like, you know, you've got a great voice. I'll, I'll just record your voice and you can do the promos and, mm-hmm. you know, the voiceover. And I always joke because it's so uh, low budget. It's not like how it is for American media. I would do the work in English and Farsi. I would do the voiceovers, but I would get like half the money of what, you know, if it was like a stagger <laughs> after job, I don't think it would have been the same. But yeah. I, I remember he was a really nice guy and he recorded my voice. He was also a sound engineer. And I guess he had a friend that had a studio and he would refer me to people. It's never like that, I think, in this industry, at least for me. I've always had mm-hmm. to, you know, try so hard and, you know, you have all these auditions and whatever. But I guess back in the day, I think it was a very level playing field because technology isn't where it's at now. So, you know, now everybody can do voiceover, which in a way is great. But then you're competing with people from Nebraska mm-hmm. or, you know, Wyoming or wherever in the country who want to do stuff just to do stuff. So. Yeah. 
I ended up getting a lot of voiceover jobs, narration, industrials, promos. And you know, I always loved acting and I always loved performing. And I minored in uh, theater and journalism at the University of Maryland. And it was very interesting to me because LA, as you know, is a very big town, but it's very small in some respects. Yeah. Uh, and the stage that I performed improv in the Black Box Theater was built by this guy named Carl Warren, who uh, is the head of the AFI has a SAG-AFTRA conservatory. Mm-hmm. And I got to know him and I took classes there. And then that, you know, led to acting. And it was just, it's just been a, a very intriguing journey. So uh, that's basically where it got started. But yeah, I, I'm very grateful for the opportunities I've had and uh, conveying any kind of knowledge that I can to others. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting that you started in voiceover and then went to like uh, on-camera acting and stuff. Cause it seems like it's always the other way around. You know, you have on-camera actors yeah, that right. are like, oh, I'll try voiceover. So that's interesting. I like that. And then you also produce too, is that correct? Or you I have produce a little production? bit here and okay. there. I think in the indie world, that's just, you know, something that people pitch in, you mm-hmm. know, you have to wear different hats and I've actually enjoyed it. So yeah, it's, it's, that's been quite a journey as well. You really learn a lot from different angles. Yeah. Um, as I'm sure you guys can attest, you ladies can attest, you really learn a lot of different things in, in production. So Absolutely. that's been nice as well. Yeah, we talk about that a lot on the show is, you know, with indie filmmaking, like you've got to learn to wear all the hats. And, you know, that doesn't mean you have to master them all, but you become very familiar with all different sides of production. Totally. Um, yeah, but it's, I mean, I think it benefits you too, like to know all of those different sides, because then, you know, if you understand, understand what a director needs, then as an actor, you can provide it and, you know, it all. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool to see that. Yeah, it's just like, uh, it's awesome that like our guests are such multi-hyphenates, like we're finding mm-hmm. that that is a really common thing um especially amongst those who have a long career and um love to hear how you feel like you've been able to stick with it so long and 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 beat the competition and do you feel like being a multi-hyphenate is kind of what helped you pivot into other roles or or have like longevity in this game if you want to speak to that a little bit yeah I think there is this misconception that there's always so much lack in our industry. Mm-hmm. And I think when you do different things, there's always something t- to do. You know, there's always like a voiceover audition to record, or there's always, you know, uh, a Zoom reading to do nowadays. You know, that's basically what it's become. So um, there's always something to do. And I think that's very important is to keep oneself active because then you end up like a like a schoolgirl by the you know the emails or the phone waiting for that call for that job that in these times you know may or may not happen or may get pushed back so a lot of the stuff that i've been cast in you know has been obviously pushed back but there's always something to do which is quite nice and i think as rough as it is it kind of fosters a different kind of creativity that many of us never assumed we had mm-hmm. uh, particularly doing zoom auditions or you know i <laughs> used to go, I mean, I feel so glamorous now. I used to go to this place nearby for big voiceover auditions. Now I do those things at home. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the small stuff I would do at home, but it's very, you know, challenging, you know, making a makeshift soundproof area, you know, on the fly or, you know, it's, but in a good way. So I think it kind of, by the time we get to 
productions or doing what we mm. do, it's like a whole different level. Like it's like yeah. you've surpassed all that you've had to surpass. You've endured, you know, you've toiled all that you can toil. So it kind of makes it kind of easier. So by the time you get to, to a set, if you mm. do get to a set, it's a lot less, um, you know, one is a lot less in their own way because you've had to deal with so much to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, it's these are, you know, strange and unusual times we're in, but I marvel at the uh, ingenuity and um, <laughs> I guess, you know, the, the, the will uh, that people have not to be dramatic about it, but uh, seeing how people do so much yeah. uh, in these times is, is really incredible to me. So it's just, I feel like it's without being cheesy, it's like the power of the human spirit to power on. I mean, <laughs> it, there was a time in March where people really, I mean, people that I knew of really weren't doing much of anything and it was kind of, mm-hmm. you know, waiting around. But now it seems like, you know, people are learning to deal with this and 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 do the things they want to do. That's so powerful, Vita. Like, thank you for sharing some positive light because it's easy to feel like, um, you know, or <laughs> it's easy to feel like nothing is happening, that we are like at a weird standstill, which, yes, like you said, there's still like pushback happening and like, you know, everyone's saying that, yeah, production's kind of paused here. And, you know, you have mom back home telling you nothing's, nothing's happening and get a real job. (laughs) And um, so I know I do believe that there, you know, there is things still happening and can happen and will continue. We just, we have to do things differently now. So I really um, appreciate your, you know, positive spirit there. I think we can all benefit through that. And to reel it back, I don't want to take up our time too much on this, but for those of our, for those voiceover actors that are maybe tuning in, what are some elements to making like a good soundproofing type in-home studio? Um, Is there like something special that you use that does a, a good job? You know, I knew some engineers, like uh, not just from the station, just I think living in Los Angeles. And one of them was moving. And uh, God, I guess I was lucky enough to come across it before he hit Craigslist. I bought a bunch of his soundproof. It's like the egg crate thing, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. foam, exactly the foam. Yeah. And I just wrap that around my closet. I have a friend who's a very skilled French uh voiceover actress she does all the French dubbing and at first I was like is this gonna work for me and then I realized she was gracious enough to let me record an audition with her she also I guess runs sessions and I was like wait a second this fancy French lady who does all the voiceover for everything you can imagine in French like the e-channel she uses a closet I why can't I use my closet so I just basically padded my closet and you know put blankets in there and it's quite nice. And I, I'm, I'm very simple. I don't even, I guess I should use the fancy ones, but I use sound studio. I'm, I'm very low tech. And I, someone even set me up with, what's the really good one? Is it Pro Tools? That's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even use it. Like I have it, but I don't even yeah. use it. I like my sound studio. That's what I learned it on. That's what I keep doing it. It's my cute little sound studio. <laughs> I don't even use GarageBand. So yeah. I keep it old school. 
I mean, whatever works, you know, clearly that's working for you. And actually, I think that's good to hear for a lot of people that, you know, don't want to like pay for editing software or whatever. That's that that stuff works just as well. (laughs) Or to get that, there's a crazy booth. And it's, I was thinking about getting the booth, but you know, I don't have the space. Mm -hmm. Southern California. I mean, it's not known for basements. Where would I stick this big cavernous booth? And it costs a fortune and it's very um, claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've been to that booth before for sessions and auditions, which is fine. But, you know, it seems a bit much for me to record like a couple of lines here and there, you know, for a gig mm-hmm. in that booth. And it's, you know, the, the it's very stagnant air and it's just tiny. I mean, I know, I don't know if you know what I'm talking yeah, oh, about. Do. This, this yeah. Coffin like square. Yep. Uh, the coffin. That's a great <laughs> way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, who wants that thing in their house? It costs a fortune. Yeah. So you know, and I heard that it's not as great as people think it is. I think sometimes just using what you have with the foam and mm-hmm. um, and, and the blankets is, is is fine for me personally. I mean, I don't know if I could record an audio book in there, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do what I need to do in there. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do a little bit of voiceover as well and I live in a studio. So even my closet isn't big enough to record in, but I mean, I just made, you know, out of a cardboard box and some of that foam, like a soundproofing box. And it's, you know, sure. If there's a loud car outside or a plane, I have to wait for that to pass. because It's not that soundproof, you know, but as long as it's quiet around, like it gets the job done and the quality is really pretty good in the end. So use what you have. Your own box, because a lot of those companies make them for like a couple hundred and you probably Mm -hmm. made a better one. So there you go. Yeah. That's cool to hear too. Like you can either purchase something like that. That's like, so like, you know, not going to take up such big space in your room or you can just, yeah, do it. Makeshift style. Maybe Tess and I will have to <laughs> do a little YouTube on that. How about that? <laughs> yeah. <get> some <laughs> voiceover boxes, ADR boxes, like, you know, as filmmakers, we might need to use those, you know, voiceover ADR type skills and we're in, we got to be inventive. So I love that, you know, you're a working professional in that field and you've just made it work with your own, you know, your own stuff at home. That's amazing. Like mm-hmm. we love hearing that <laughs> like gold, that's gold. Cause you know, you're yeah. time and money and like, that's what we're about. <laughs> we need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially I think in these times, and I, I see a lot of people have, um, they pad the wall. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't know if that's for me yet, but I mean, like I said, seeing that French lady have that, and she does the e-channel, I think she's the National Geographic. So um, if she has it in her closet, you know, good enough for her, it's Mm -hmm. good enough for me and, you know, my little blue mic that I use. So. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people that like, they make their full living from voiceover and they just record out of their closet most of the time. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, sure. There's the people that are, I don't know, they, you know, the creme de la creme of voiceover, they do like the spots for ABC and, you know, they live in Bel Air and they're very nice people, but you know, it's like the, it's the size of most people's dream homes is the voiceover studio. Right. They have an engineer. <laughs> and I think if, my point is if you keep me us all, you know, be wildly successful, but I think it's, um, was it Kanye who said it or was it P Diddy more money, more problems, <laughs> was Beyonce's husband. But, um, I think, you know, he always has to have that engineer. Uh, and you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of work to always have that engineer. What if he gets a job on the fly? You know, I'm right. sure he could do something himself, but it's, it's nice to have that engineer. So 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like you said earlier about like getting out of your own way, you know, it's if you're able to do the things yourself and you're able to understand how things work yourself, you're going to be able to do a lot more things because. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, I don't mean to quote Jay-Z, but, you know, I mean, it would be nice, but, you know, still, I think it's great. It's Because, again, like in the in the situation that we're all in, we're often doing things on the fly. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, I just to to pimp out our our dear friend Mike at the network studios where we used to do our podcast recordings um, and now only limit that because of COVID. But he has an amazing voiceover booth that is the stand up coffin. It is amazing. It looks amazing. (laughs) So he has all the high tech. So for anyone in the greater Los Angeles area who who doesn't have the space in their closet. Like I, sh- I sure don't. I have like two suitcases full of clothes that I still don't know <laughs> what to do with. But um, yeah, that, that need um, that a professional engineer too, to be on there. His setup is dope. It's the best. It's amazing. So um, I just want to shout him out because, you know, there's, there, sometimes we just can't make it work at home. You know, if, if it's exactly. constant noise too, and it's just loud roommates, I, we've all been there. So <laughs> and you want to focus on the job and he edits it for you as well, I would assume. Yeah. So yeah, so that's a win-win. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're in the booth, so you're, you're safe from COVID. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Are you a podcaster like us? Vlogger? Interview conductor? Do you need a VO booth or ADR? Remote audio video professional recording? Ooh, Tessa spilled the tea. Well, the Network Studios in Culver City is a fully functional recording oasis with multiple rooms made to cater specifically to audio podcasts, video interviews, and voiceover, plus an experienced sound engineer with the ability to edit and master all your needs will be covered. Audio engineer extraordinaire Mike Casentini has worked with several podcast heavy hitters and got us started from the ground up. He's the reason we sound so good. Plus, all of our in-studio guests have been very impressed. To find out more, visit www.thenetworkstudios.com and book your next recording session. COVID compliant and open for business. Um, I'd love to go back to what you had said earlier about like, um, that there's always something to do in this town and in this industry, you know, because um, I was having this conversation with a new friend that I met the other day, actually. Um, I told him I was an actor and he said, oh, is that hard? Like, you know, like, really, is it a hard profession? And I was like, well, yes and no. <laughs> you know, it's hard to make a real living with acting because you've got to be pretty successful at it, you know, but it's not hard to get work. Like it's, you can always be doing something, whether it's something you're creating, that your friends are creating, that you audition for, like, there's so much, like you said, to do. And it really helps you, like, prepare for when you are at that level that you're, you know, making a living with acting and everything. So, yeah, I think that was uh, really great that you had mentioned that earlier. Yeah, totally. And I think, um, unfortunately, everything is, well, I think fortunately we have social media, but I always think the worst thing for actors is the comparison syndrome Mm -hmm. or for anybody, you know, everything is so illuminated these days with social media. So a person can fall down the rabbit hole of, oh, woe is me, you know, or, or oh this or oh that, but there's so much out there that a person can do with, you know, the proliferation of Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, everything. There's just so many opportunities and 
and people can make their own opportunities. You can make a web series and that's how a lot of people get into SAG, at least for now. I don't know what the rules are during all this, but there's a lot more opportunities now than there were, you know, five years ago or three years ago, if you kind of look at it from a different perspective. So, and the indie film world is, you know, during all this is really blossoming. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, I guess they don't have the restrictions of, you know, the studios or what have you. So that's been very interesting to see as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so if you have like, if you could just say one kind of little um, thing of inspiration <laughs> to people about, you know, the long longevity in this career and how to keep yourself motivated, you know, besides just longevity in the sense of continuing to get jobs, but like longevity in continuing to keep yourself going <laughs> all of that if you could speak to that a little bit right well you know I think for me given my cultural background mm-hmm. I would um, have representation that would always send me out for those Middle Eastern women roles and my beef with those roles were in those cultures women are not known for talking and oftentimes I get these great monologues and I come in and I do the monologue and it would be like my story, you know, as a woman in a headscarf. And it would either be, you know, it's either comedy or it's either drama. And oftentimes those roles were often written by women or, you know, if they were men, it was like younger men. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to use the term woke, but woke, (laughs) if you will. (laughs) So um, oftentimes, by the time that I would do the lines, uh, it kind of changed. And then it would get less. And then it would get less. And I was really perturbed by this. And it wasn't until, and I'm going to give a shout out to my amazing representation, Joe Williamson. And he's like, you could play anybody. And I was like, what? And he's like, you can play anybody. I I don't know why you lock yourself into this stuff. It's like you're torturing yourself over and over again. You go out for these parts, you memorize the lines in different accents and different languages. I mean, I've had to pick up dialects and, you know, it's not like people just speak straight Farsi. There's, you know, Afghani dialects, there's Uzbeki dialects, there's all these different dialects. So I would go through all this stuff and I would think of this woman's journey if she was from such and such place and such and such country. And then I thought to myself, you know, this guy's right. So many times my lines would get cut, the roles would get cut because in as amazing as this culture is, you know, it's so much diversity and, you know, times have changed so much with these roles that I've played. It there's still these women just don't talk kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. So everything would be diminished, which is kind of a shame. But then I realize when I'm playing different people, and I guess I feel very lucky because I have friends that are Middle Eastern actors, that's all they get. They're wildly successful, but that's basically all they get. And mm-hmm. and they often, unless they're men, often lose the lines. Or It's like, uh, I always can liken it to when you're one is starting out as an actor, and I, I'm sure you can attest to this, you're always like the girlfriend or like the friend of somebody. Mm-hmm. You're not the girl, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, so it, it's that's what playing the wife or the you know village lady or all that was. So as I started working in different films, like I had a very interesting turning point getting this great manager, Joe, who put me in touch with you wonderful ladies. And he's yeah. like, why don't you just try out for other stuff? Why are you limiting yourself? That's, you have to diversify. And I remember I was cast in uh, this incredible film with much help from Joe Williamson. Uh, it's called Eternal Code. 
He really pitched me hard on that. It's a Harley Wallen film. I worked with incredible people, people that I've admired uh, most of my life. Uh, Richard Tyson uh, from Kindergarten Cop and just so many amazing movies. Billy Worth from The Lost Boys and just amazing, amazing cast. Mel Novak from Bruce Lee's Game of Death, who's wonderful, amazing actors, really, you know, uh, motivated me. Mm-hmm. But I got to play a scientist and my dad was a well-known scientist and in Persian culture, scientists are like Michael Jordan. So <laughs> it ended up in all over the Middle Eastern media. It just, it was incredible. This film was featured twice in, in the trades variety and that gave me a much needed boost. Yeah. I think when you're casting something like that, it opens all sorts of doors. And then because my, because I played a scientist, my dad was a scientist, like that led to more scientist roles. So I went from, and there's no shame in the Middle Eastern roles, but to play a scientist and, and to be an intellectual woman. And it wasn't like, you know, I had an interesting name, Nikita. So it's not like I was based on my ethnicity, mm-hmm. you know? So I was just a scientist. It was a compelling role. Uh, she was a very smart woman. It's like, you look at it from different angles as opposed to, okay, I mean, which is great. Don't get me wrong. The head scarf roles are great, but it's, I feel like it's very one dimensional. And yeah. towards the end, I always knew that the lines would get cut or something would happen, or she'd be, you know, vilified in some such way or not. So that led to other scientists' roles, which um, is leading to roles like attorney, uh, prosecutor, uh, that kind of stuff. So after that, I played a scientist in, in a number of films, um, most of them by this amazing young filmmaker, Dustin Ferguson. Mm-hmm. This guy is probably in his mid thirties and he's made 70 incredible. So it was great working with him as well. And, and some career mom in a film called Miranda Vale, which is coming out soon. And I would have never expected, I was an American mom. I was a career woman. I was, you know, too busy in my own world of, you know, you know, being a successful woman to care about my daughter. Whereas I played the roles where I cared so much, you know, which is great, you know, but it's, it's nice to diversify. And I think that's my thing. I think a person shouldn't be limited. And unfortunately, in this industry, when you have an agent that sees you can speak in cert- certain language uh, fluently, they're going to submit you for those roles. And I think be the ethnically diverse thing, you see it a lot now in breakdowns, and mm-hmm. I see ambiguous. I thought in the beginning, oh, that's strange. But I think a person can kind of work to use that to their advantage now, as opposed to being caged in a box of of that, which, you know, like I said, it's great for some people. Mm-hmm. I have friends that are great villains. You know, they live on the high hog. But I think, you know, they always want to be the hero or the heroine. And I yeah. think we all have different paths. And I kind of like this diversification for me personally. It's been quite nice uh, to be, you know, an intellectual. And, and some of the lines that I memorize, I'm like, wow, this is incredible for me. You know, you, yeah. you got to get out of the staleness of it, I think. And I think towards the end of it, I would always joke in the trunk of my car, I had like a wild, oh, a wide array of headscarves and uh, various accoutrements. And I think I was just getting lost in the shuffle of that. It's very easy to get lost in the shuffle of that. And, you know, people say, would you take those roles? I think if it was a compelling enough role and if it was like a, I don't know, like it would have to be like an extraordinary Middle Eastern woman because other, mm-hmm. otherwise it's, uh, they. I hate to say it, they make a lot of those parts very farcical. 
And there's yeah. a lot of strong women. I mean, look at people like Malala. You know, why can't they have characters like that? You know, or, or like um, mm-hmm. the lady that was a prime minister of Pakistan, Benazir Bhutto. Like, how come there's like, they need more roles like her? You know, yeah. like that would be great. So, you know, I guess it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, I think that really was like a watershed moment for me. And I, I knew I was on the right path when it was in Bridie twice. And like I said, I, I wish every person in this industry can get in the trades because that makes a world of difference. People start reaching out to you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a whole different ball game. So yeah. that really helped. Nice. I, you know, I've had this conversation before with people too. It's like, everything's about ethnicity right now, right? Like they, everyone wants to make things culturally, culturally diverse, but it's like people are trying, but they're not quite getting the concept of what diversity really means because it's like, you're putting in those stereotypical, you know, ethnic characters. And we don't just want to see more colors of skin. Like we want to see people of different cultures being people and not just being, you know, the token, whatever, like, like you said, being a scientist that was Middle Eastern, like, you know, that's an actual like person role. Like we need more of that with the diversity. She wasn't even Middle Eastern. It wasn't even defined what this woman was. It was all (laughs) about the science, right? So I think that was really cool. And I think part of it is we're getting a lot of younger filmmakers, like Dustin is younger. I think the, I hate to say it's like a global world, but, um, Harley Wallen that I worked with on Eternal Code, the filmmaker and actor, um, he's amazing. He's of Swedish descent. So, mm. I mean, I think it's, it's people are from different backgrounds now. The industry's changing. There's younger people. It's like a different generation of people. And um, you're working with these kinds of people. They don't really, I think a lot of these people, they don't see ethnicity. They see the person, mm-hmm. which is so interesting to me. You know, they're younger people. So therefore, you know, and it's the indie film world. So they're not governed by a whole studio system. But I think even at that level, things are changing. So, you know, it is what it is. But I'm very excited to be working with them in the future. Um, there's a number of projects I'm going to be working with with Dustin. I was just cast in another Harley Wallen film, Beneath Us All, which is an incredible uh, film. It stars um, Sean Whalen from, um, gosh, he's been in so many films, uh, The People Under the Stairs. Also, we have, uh, gosh, uh, legendary actor John Savage from the deer hunter so just incredible actors and it's based on a true story that also hit the trades i'm also starring in a jimmy drain film he's a uh up-and-coming talent uh it's called realm of shadows i'm going to be playing the mysterious and alluring cassandra and that's got a great cast that has tony todd from the Candyman franchise uh it's got great actors uh vernon wells um who's a, Blade Runner 2, once again, Mel Novak. So that's an incredible uh, cast of people. And, you know, I've always wanted to work with Tony Todd. So, and it's great to play a lady named Cassandra. So, you know, it's it's wonderful. Whereas in the past, it was so focused on ethnicity. These mm-hmm. younger filmmakers, you know, they, I can't remember my name in Miranda Vale, but it was a very generic uh, American name. So that was uh, a great experience as well. So yeah, it's just great to, you know, work in these films. And I remember I was in, uh, my first film that went 3D was Moon of the Blood Beast, another Dustin Ferguson film. And that just was released on 3D. And I play um, a dispatcher named Noel Johnson, 
So there's no, uh, and I'm like, God, this is like so much less work for me because I don't have to work on an accent. I don't yeah. have to work on like, you know, some, some, you know, uh, refugee story where I'm just like <laughs> suffering and I'm escaping, and, you know, that's a whole into of itself. So uh, yeah, I played like a lovelorn dispatcher, you know, and yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was wonderful. I never thought I'd play somebody called Noel Johnson, you know, so <laughs> what does it get more American than, than Johnson? So that was quite nice, you know, so because usually I'll get some name that it sounds like it could be from somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. so that was that was quite nice. And uh, following these kinds of movies have is is so astounding to me. Uh, the horror community is so supportive, and believe it or not, there's uh, to add to to the positivity. Mm-hmm. I've some of the most interesting roles I've played were in horror films, and the women are given a lot of you know. There's of course the woman running through the woods and all that, but I think lately it's evolved, and I feel like a lot of women are like you know, like I like the plucky dispatcher I played that was you know relentlessly after this beast. Normally she'd be a stock character, but you know she yeah. was really into finding you know this beast that's killing people so you know it or like you know the, the scientist who's not just a scientist or you know it's just it's interesting to play these roles that are and and hard there's so many different layers i feel like the the it really the woman is really that. the final girl mm-hmm yeah, the, the it's really evolved, yeah. you know, as opposed to screaming in the woods. I'm sure there's screaming in the woods, but you know, it's different. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well, I'm excited for these movies of yours to come out. So please keep us updated on all of those. And then also yes. let our listeners know um, where they can find your work. Um, you've mentioned a few of the films, but if you have a website or social media, anything like that, that our listeners can follow your journey. Sure. Um, Moon of the Blood Beast 3D is available, I guess, on DVD or whatever mm-hmm. the 3D movies are on. <laughs> and uh, also Eternal Code is available on all platforms and DVD as well. And you can find me at uh, Vida Gafari, V-I-D-A-G-H-A-F-F like Frank, A-R-I on Instagram, Facebook, gosh, Twitter, I haven't mastered TikTok yet, but I'd like to. Neither have we. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, yeah, I guess we'll all have to master TikTok. That's our goal for 2021. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on those platforms. And I just want to thank you, ladies, and your, and your viewers so much. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. This was a great talk. I'm glad that we got to meet you. I don't know, listeners, I don't think I mentioned... Um, Joe that Vita was talking about her representation um, reached out to us and you know pitched Vita and we were super excited to have her on the show so it was another one of those great things that like we might not have known about her otherwise you know so we just love that this podcast brings us together with these guests absolutely and someone like you Vita who is such a positive light right now in a trying time and I love that you know touching on the pushing boundaries especially for diverse characters um, I'll have to, I, I can really resonate to that and I'll have to share it on the podcast at another time because we're running out of time today. But um, I love that. I think you just need to push the envelope and, and that's your job as the actor or the artist and, and to either create or, or speak up and be like, hey, I see myself in these roles too, you know? So I love that. That's so encouraging. And, and you know, I hope our listeners has learned. I know they've learned <laughs> a bit more today about all those things. So thank you for, for sharing thank that. Thank you so much. The tea. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you, Vita, and thank you, listeners. And we will see you all next time. Thanks for listening to Femme Regard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in next time for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals over tea. We can only grow with your support, so please subscribe, share, rate, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. If you leave us a great comment, we might give you a shout-out on the show. For more on us, check us out at femregard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 